It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting. In traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take over, taking over. Take our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Shout it with me, y'all. I am. Hallelujah. Remain standing, if you will. Flip to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Anybody glad to be alive tonight? Anybody glad to be in church tonight? Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29. We welcome those watching in all of our campuses. Jeremiah 29. Get to verse 10. When you have it, say, I've got it. If you're still flipping, say, hold on. Jeremiah 29, verse 10, it says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. Now, now take this out. Now, now, say the last part sounds good. Say that. Ooh, but that first part. I want you to read it again. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are done, then I'm going to come visit you. And perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. In essence, God was saying, you're going to have to go through some, some tough times, God was saying. He was telling them, he was telling the children of Israel, he was telling them at Judah, he was saying, you're going to have some stuff going on. And he said, and it's going to have to happen for 70 years. He said, I'm not going to get you out of it a day before 70 years. Amen. And then we know the second, we know verse 11, it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, I pray that you would customize, tailor, make this word, God, that we might be able to move and navigate through the vicissitudes of life, Father, that we would be and walk in everything that you've ordained for us to walk in. Father, we thank you that even in the midst of bad situations, we know how to make the best out of those situations. And so, God, wherever situations people are watching as they're listening to this message, or people are in as they're watching, or listening to this message, wherever they're at, I pray that you'd speak to them, that you'd say something so specific and so profound from them that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're real. And not only are you real, but you love them. And not only that you love them, but you're concerned about them. And we thank you and honor you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Uh, as you take your seats, high five two or three people around you. Just say, making the best out of a bad situation. Making the best, making the best, making the best out of a bad situation. Uh, we all face, encounter, and deal with bad situations. Can I get one or two witnesses right there? 
Uh, now, some of are no fault of our own, and some are, quite frankly, a, di- a direct result of the choices that we've made. Now, hear me, hear me. You are either in the midst of a bad situation, you're coming out of a bad situation, or there's a bad situation on the horizon. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how much you pray, doesn't matter how much you fast, doesn't matter how much you love God, you're going to have to deal with bad situations. But the truth of the matter is, is that bad is really relative. Bad is really relative because there are some people that, believe it or not, they would love to have your bad situations. Because for some people, if they could have your bad situations, it'd be a vast improvement from where they're at in their lives now. Somebody say bad is relative. Bad, bad. Bad is relative. Don't, don't, don't isolate and pigeonhole yourself into thinking that woe is you and oh, it's so bad for you and things are never going to get better for you. I promise you there's a thousand people right now that wish they could have your issues. They wish they could have your problems. They wish they could deal with the stuff you're dealing with. In Jeremiah, didn't Jeremiah, Jeremiah is an interesting book because Jeremiah... His name literally means one whom the Lord exalts. And Jeremiah goes through a very interesting situation. He's known as the weeping prophet because, quite frankly, uh, he weeps about a lot of what he has to deal with and has to go through. Uh, Not only is it that he's lamenting, uh, which is where we get really Jeremiah part two, which is the book of Lamentations. Not only is he lamenting and weeping, but we find that often the messages that he had to bring to people would cause them to lament and weep because Jeremiah uh, quite often did not come with good news. And please understand, if you're a preacher, normally you want to be able to have good news for people. But Jeremiah's assignment was not to bring good news to people. Jeremiah's assignment was to come tell the people, listen, you messed up and this is getting ready to happen to you. Could you imagine that being your assignment, your assignment being the bad news bearer, being the guy that nobody wants to see coming because when you know when he's coming that it's getting ready to be some bad news that's getting ready to come. I mean, that was his assignment. And so in the midst of Jeremiah, we find that there is a bad situation that's brewing for Judah. Now, Judah is literally a Hebrew word that means what? It means praise. Now, what happens is that the nation of Israel, at one point, it was united. It was united uh, under a guy named Saul. You remember King Saul? It was united under a guy named David. You remember King David? It was united under a gentleman named Solomon, his son. You remember Solomon? But after that, the kingdom split, and at the north, you had Israel, and in the south, you had Judah. Now, they were really all the same people. They just didn't know how to get along. Isn't it amazing that we have a lot of things in common with the people that we call our enemies and that we have a lot of things in common with people that we seem to have issues with? And the truth of the matter is, is if we just learn how to get along, tell somebody, say, can we all just get along? Can can we all just get along? Why is it? You got way more in common with people than you have different from people. So now we're looking at the nation of Judah. Say Judah. The man of God, Jeremiah, he warns them that due to their unfaithfulness to God and their unwillingness to heed his words, that they were going to face a bad situation. Let me tell you that the fastest way to create an unscheduled bad situation is to turn on God by choosing not to follow the word or choosing not to heed wise counsel. See, if we already got some scheduled bad situations, I don't know about you, but I don't have any business trying to create some unscheduled bad situations. There's already some stuff in life that's set up to be there but I don't know about anybody else but I don't want to be creating no new bad situations I I don't need an unscheduled one there's enough on the calendar already Jeremiah tells him he says listen there, there 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 is this situation that that you all have created he said because you've not followed God's word and he says you're not 
heeding wise counsel. And so uh, in Jeremiah's time, there were many so-called prophets or preachers that kept trying to convince the people that there wasn't going to be any bad situations. Please understand, you're listening to somebody that is telling you a, 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 a lie if they're telling you you're never going to have to deal with some bad situations. Let me tell you, if you're talking to somebody who tells you that it's always going to be tipped on through the tulips and life is always going to be a bed of roses, I'm going to tell you, you better run from that person as fast as you can because that's what was going on in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah was saying to the people, we're in the midst of a bad situation. It's getting ready to happen. And all these other preachers told the people, oh, no, if bad situations aren't happening, the Lord's going to do this for us and the Lord's going to do this for us. And we find out that God got angry with the people telling them that they weren't going to have to go through a bad situation. I'm going to say that again because maybe I said it too fast and you didn't understand what I was saying. God got angry with the people that kept telling them that they weren't going to have to deal with the bad situation as if the bad situation was bad. That, that's heavy that you're going to have to let that wait a little bit. God, God was saying, God was in essence saying, you don't know the thoughts and the plans that I have concerning so-and-so individuals. So for you to try to get them out of their bad situation, you're going to rob them from something that that bad situation is coming to bring to them. See, often we like to relieve the suffering of other people by getting them out of their messes. But too often when we get them out of their messes, we're actually getting in God's way. Because God says, this mess, I've got something planned in this mess. I've got something planned. Hear me, parents. I know you want to be there to rescue your children every time something goes on and every time something happens. But sometimes God says, you're actually getting in my way because this bad situation is what I'm trying to use. Okay, I wish I had somebody here. So, 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 so God, God rebukes these preachers and these prophets that were saying that they would never uh, have any bad situations. And watch this. God made it clear that for 70 years, they were going to be subdued by the Babylonians. He said, listen, I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much you repent. I don't care how much, he, God says, it does not matter. My mind's made up. For 70 years, you're going to be in the midst of a bad situation. Now, I don't know about you, but to get that kind of news, uh, that might have a little bit of a damper on your day. I, I don't know about you, but to get some news from God, that for, it doesn't matter what I do. Uh, for 70 years, we're going to be captive to the Babylonians. For 70 years, we're not going to be able to do what it is that we want to do. For 70 years, that's a long time. That's a long time. That's a long time. But there is hope in spite of the bad situation. Hear me. In the moment that you realize you're in the midst of the bad situation, you have a choice. You have a choice to get bitter. You have a choice to get better. You have a choice to become mad. You have a choice to become glad. You have a choice to be positive. You have a choice to be negative. The choice is yours. But I got news. You're going to face some bad situations. But when you find yourself staring at a bad situation, you've got a choice in that moment. Either I'm going to let this situation get me or I'm going to get something out of this situation. I'm either going to become a victim to my circumstances or I'm going to be a victor over my circumstances. And I just need to check the room. Is there anybody in here that says I refuse to be a victim, but I'm going to be a victor. I refuse to go down, baby. I'm going over. I refuse. Touch your neighbor. Say, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. 
So here's how you do it, because I know the question you're asking is, Bishop, how do you make the best out of a bad situation? Well, here's the first thing. The first thing is you got to maximize where you're at and what you have. you got to maximize where you're at and what you have. Now, God tells them for 70 years, literally what happened is King Nebuchadnezzar, they came, the Babylonians, they displaced them. They took them out of their land, and they took them over into the land of Babylon. Got it? They displaced them. Now, God says for 70 years, that's going to be what you got to deal with. Got it? Let me, let me make it a little bit more uh, uh, relative for, for situations you deal with. God says, I'm not giving you another job. Oh, it got real quiet right there. It got real quiet right there. You're going to work this job until I say you're not going to work this job anymore. I don't care how much you apply. I don't care how much you send your resume out. I don't care what you do. You're going to work here until I don't feel like you need to work there no more. Okay, it just got real quiet in the church. It's amazing how you church folks act. It's amazing how y'all act when I feel a little bit like Jeremiah. I feel a little bit like Jeremiah. God says, watch this. God says, I'm not giving you a new car. It's, it's real quiet right here. God says, you're going to ride your hoopty. And you better learn to love your hoopty. You better go get you some spinners from checkers. You, you better get you some little dice to put to hang. You better do something. You better get you a fake wood grain thing to go over your steering wheel. You better, because I'm not giving you a new one. Okay, I see like I should, I feel like I should work this a little, uh, a, a little bit further. God, God, God says, I'm not giving you another house. You, you can go look for them as much as you want. You can, you, you can get your credit together and you can, get a, you can get the highest priced real estate agent you can find. And you can get the best mortgage person in town. But I'm not giving you a house. God says you better learn how to maximize your two-bedroom apartment. God says you better learn how to maximize what you have and maximize where you are. See, rather than complaining about the job you've got, why don't you just make the most out of the job that you've got? Rather than complaining about the car you're driving or the one you're not driving, why don't you be thankful you got two legs to walk? Touch your neighbor and say, maximize it, maximize it. Now watch this. In Jeremiah 29, 5, Jeremiah 29, 5, it's on the screen. You can look. Jeremiah 29, 5. Now this is God telling him. He said, I'm not letting you out for 70 years. But look at verse 5. He says, so you need to just build you some houses and dwell there. Plant you some gardens and eat the fruit. Take some wives, have some kids. Take your wives for your sons and give your daughters to your husband so that they may bear sons and daughters so y'all can make sure y'all don't die out. That's the modern translation for verse 6. Verse 7, and he said, rather than get mad about the city you in, seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive. Hallelujah. And pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace, you will have peace. God said, I'm not letting you out. So you might as well find you a house in Babylon. You ain't leaving. You, you, you might as well find something you like about the car you're driving. I'm not giving you another one. God says you may as well find something. It's gotten real quiet in here. You might as well find something about the two-bedroom you've been written. Find something to love about it. You better go get you some new furniture. Change your living room around. Do something. Get you some curtains. It'll change the whole feeling and the ambiance of the room. Can I get one woman witness in here? One woman. 
See, what I love about women is that, see, y'all will find a way to make the best out of something. Y'all, see, I love about women because women will take some beans and some hot dogs and call it pork and beans and put it together. What? And fellas, we'll eat it too, won't we? Won't we? Too many people complain about what they don't have rather than maximizing what they do have. So you can either, watch this, watch this. I know you're spiritual and I know you're a good Christian and I know you don't cuss. But I'm talking to your neighbor because they're working on it. You can either cuss the darkness. Why is it dark in here? I tell you, I get sad so tired of it. Or you can take all yourself and find the light switch. See, this is for your neighbor. You're spiritual, but would you please help that neighbor? Test that neighbor say, he's talking to you, he's talking to you. You can get mad at the problems or you can start finding some solutions. You can sit up and be depressed about what's not right or you can become glad about what you have. That's what most of us do. Most of us, and we got to break out of that. We got to learn how to make the best of it. We got to break out of it because most of us, what we'll do, but what is wrong with this? And what's wrong with this? And why is this like this? And God, why is this like this? And Lord, it seemed the more I do for you. No, 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 no. You can do all that if you want to and you're the only one listening to it. Because God, 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 I, I feel like we need to just have one of those nights. When I start talking to you, just hop out of your seat and just turn around one time. Listen, why would I do that? That means I'm turning up out of that negative thinking and that I'm coming up out of that. Anybody coming up out of that with me tonight? I'm coming up out of those negative thinking and that coming up out of that mindset. I'm leaving that right in this place, man. I'm not taking that with me. When I get home, I'm going to find something I love about my house. When I get in my car, I'm going to find something I love about my car. When I see my kids, I'm going to find something I love about my kids. So, you can either curse the darkness. so dark in here. Or you can walk over there and find the light switch. When, when you... Watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch, let, me, let me prove this to you. Let me show you how simple this is. Because some of you are saying, is this so hard? Because I just, I, I always, this is so hard. No, it's not. Watch this. Let me prove it to you how it's not hard. When you're hungry, you know what you do? You find something to eat. Whether you got to cook it or whether you hop in the car, get in the drive-thru and get it, or whether you pick up the phone and order you some curbside takeaway. When you're hungry... You know, I'm just so hungry. I wish somebody would bring me some food. I, you don't do that. And if you do, you need to come to the prayer partners right after the worship experience. <laughs> no, what do we do? We fix the problem. So, so then, so then, so then, so then watch this because it's going to happen. Soon as you leave the church tonight, soon as you leave the church tonight, you're going to be tempted to curse at the darkness. And rather than do that, you just go, yeah, you know what? Let's just fix the problem. Husbands and wives, why you didn't? Just say, listen, 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 listen. Let's just fix the problem. Rather than having a 30-minute fight over the toothpaste. Let's just fix the problem. I tell you what, you are now in charge of the toothpaste department. I relinquish all rights to toothpaste. Husbands, that's what some of you need to do. Just say to wives, you are in charge of the toothpaste. It is yours. I give it to you. You are the queen of the toothpaste department. You can do whatever you want to do with that toothpaste. Put it under the sink if you want to. Put, put it out you want to. <laughs> but rather than dwell in the darkness, let's what? Turn on the light. Watch this. Watch this. You, it takes one line to turn a negative 
into a positive. I need you to get that. It's so simple, but we miss it. Watch this. Here's negative, right? You see negative. You see, you see the minus sign in your mind. It takes one line in the middle of that to turn a negative into a positive. You may be saying, oh, but it's just I'm underpaid. Guess what? You better take that line and throw a line in there and say, well, at least I'm getting a check. They work us so hard. You better take that line and say, thank God I got the strength in my body to be able to work hard. And here's another thing I found out. If I'm faithful with another man's, the scripture says that God himself will give me my own. So the reason I do a good job with your stuff is because I know God's going to eventually give me my It takes one line to make a positive or negative, but then here's the second piece to this. So, so, so first thing, making the best out of a bad situation, maximize where you're at and what you have. Maximize it. If you don't have nothing but cornbread, maximize it. Say, Bishop, I couldn't get nothing but the 99-cent Jiffy boxes. Let me tell you, then you got some good eating. Put you some corn in there. No, let me tell you what to do now. You get you some little, some little uh, uh, cupcake little things. Little muffin things. Got it? You mix it up. And let me tell you, now, Jiffy, the box don't say to do this. I'm going to teach you how to do it where I'm from in the sound. You put you some sugar in the mix. Change your life. You put you some sugar, some sugar off in the mix. You put you some corn, some whole corn kernels. Not cream of corn now. Just get you the little 78-cent corn kernels. Strain them real good. Don't put all that water in there. Strain it real good. Put that off into your mix. Put a little pepper in your mix. You understand? Butter that pan up real good. And for and 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 for a dollar seventy, you got corn muffins for every day of the week. Put some good butter on it when it comes out. See, I like butter. I'm like Paula Dean. Just put the moment you think you put enough butter, put me some more butter on there. I don't just want butter in the pan. I want you to chop it open and put some butter in it. Then I want you to put some butter off top of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody said, Bishop, that's unhealthy. Pray for me. Don't touch me. Pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> I juice. <laughs> Second thing, realize that even though it's bad, it's all good. Realize that even though it's bad, it's all good. I love God. I love God. I love God for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons that I love him is because he does everything on purpose. It's interesting that of all, out of all the nations that, that Judah could have been captured by, that it was by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. God could have used anybody to capture them, but he used Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Let's start with Babylon. The word Babel uh, means confusion. And the interesting thing is that bad situations can often be very confusing because we have so many questions. We, have, we can uh, vacillate back and forth between this opinion and that opinion. And God, why this? And why this? And what should I do? And who should I talk to? And who can I trust? And who can I do this? And who can I do this? And so bad situations can often be places of confusion, but it's deeper. Somebody say it's deeper. The word Babel in Hebrew is the word Balel, which is a Hebrew ritualistic term, watch this, used for mixing oil into the flour or meal to make an offering until every particle of the flour was mingled or anointed with oil. 
I'm going to say that again because I just said a mouthful. You're going to have to get the CD. Your notes ain't going to be able to get it. Watch this. Balal, B-A-L-A-L, is a Hebrew ritualistic term. It means very simply the mixing of the anointing oil with the flour until every particle of the flour is anointed with oil or covered in oil. The word anointed means covered, but it also means grace. It also means favor. It also means God adding his super to your natural. I'm going to help somebody get this in just a moment. Somebody's going to get this. Somebody's going to get this. In other words, God is using your Babylon, your confusing situation, in order to put some oil on you. I'm going to help somebody get this. In other words, God says, I'm using your bad situation to give you some grace and to give you some favor and to add my super to your natural. God, God says, I'm using this bad situation to get you totally covered in grace. Now, somebody says, well, what's grace? What's grace? Grace is where God gives you what you don't deserve and can't pay for. Grace is where God gives you what you don't deserve and can't pay for. Mercy is where God protects you from what you actually do deserve and probably did pay for. God says, I use your Babylon, your bad situation. I use it. It's confusing. God says, yes, I get that. I know it's confusing. But he said, despite all the confusion, I'm using it to give you grace. To give you favor. Because it's often when you get to the end of yourself in your bad situation that God can step in and take over. As long as you're trying to drive the car, you're going to keep wrecking it. Your bad situation will let you just throw your... See, see, if you've ever been in trouble with the police, one of the things they tell you is, come out with your hands up. Your bad situation has a way of getting you to surrender to God. I wish I had a witness here. Your bad situation has a way of making you say, okay, God, I give up. I'm going to stop trying to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. In essence, God, I'm coming out with my hands up. I've been trying to do it my way. It's not been working. And so, God, why don't you just add your favor to me? Add your grace to me. Add your super to my natural. So when I step out, they see supernatural. But now, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Babylon was ruled by a man named Nebuchadnezzar. I was perplexed by that as I was reading the entire narrative. If you get an opportunity, I encourage you to read the chapters before chapter 29 in Jeremiah because it's very interesting because the Bible perplexed me. I don't often get perplexed by what I read because one of my gifts is that of mystery and revelation, etc. I was a bit perplexed because God kept calling Nebuchadnezzar his servant. If you read the preceding chapters and even some of the proceeding chapters, you'll find that God will say, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Now, some of you are like, well, what's the big deal? God can have anybody he wants as a servant. Actually, no, that's not quite right. This is the same Nebuchadnezzar from when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when those three fellows wouldn't bow down and worship his image when the music would play, 
got it. They said, we will not bow. And that's what God's looking for in some people today. He's looking for some people to say, I will not bow down to doing it the world's way. I will not bow down and compromise what the word says, which means if I got to go without, then I'll go without because I refuse to bow down to the world's way of doing it. This is the same Nebuchadnezzar, the same guy. This is the same guy who, when he wouldn't do it, Nebuchadnezzar said, what? Turn the furnace up hotter than it normally is. This is that same guy. So I was perplexed when God kept calling him my servant. Does anybody else see where the, per, where the perplexion would come from? Okay, just I need you to just wave at me if you see where the perplexion would come from. Okay, just, okay let me just say it again because I didn't have 100% wave in there. So let me say it again. Why would God call an enemy to his people his servant? He subdued them and made them slaves. He made Judah slaves. Got it? And these are God's people. So, so let, me, let, me, let me say it in a way that you'll get it. The people that come against you, why would God call them, that boss that you know is unfairly picking on you, that, that coworker that you know is trying to set you up, that person that betrayed you and did that? Are y'all here? I'm just trying to figure out because maybe I'm speaking in tongues and you can't understand what I'm saying. You know, sometimes that happens. I just get caught up in the third heaven. You know, sometimes that happens. Why would God call that person his servant? Shouldn't you be the one that's his servant? Now do you see why I'm perplexed? Can I get 100% participation right here? Okay, so now we see why we're perplexed. Okay, okay, so now we're on the same page. I was perplexed until I found out what Nebuchadnezzar means. Nebuchadnezzar's name means protect my child. Oh, God, I wish I had people in here. Nebuchadnezzar's name means protect my child. In other words, God says, your enemy, I was really using them to protect you, who's more than just my servant. You're my child. I wish I had a church in here. So that means God often uses your bad situations to protect you. And he often uses your enemies to do it. There was something getting ready to go down on that job that God says, I need to protect you from. There was something getting ready to happen in your life. And God says, I was protecting you. Because maybe the moment where you were crying about it, God was protecting you from a car accident out here. God says, I use your Nebuchadnezzar to protect you. Nebuchadnezzar, why'd they do me like that? Protection. God says, I was protecting you. Why did they treat me like that? God said, I was protecting you. Why did they walk out of my life like that? God says, I was protecting you. Why did they betray me like that? God says, I was protecting you. Why did they do me like that on my job? God says, I was protecting you. Why did they do me like that down at this place? God says, I was protecting you. Why did this happen in my life? God says, I told my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. Go protect my child. There was something that was going to happen to Judah that Judah would not have been able to handle. So he sends Nebuchadnezzar to remove them from Judah, to take them to a place of confusion. But in taking them to a place of confusion, he was adding his grace, his favor, his super to their natural. Got it? And he was protecting them. Which is why the scripture says, this is why the scripture says, he'll make your enemies your footstool. 
how do they become your footstool? Because they're your protection. See, what you got to do is look at some people that do you wrong and say, thank you. What are they thanking me for what? I'm thanking you. Because had you not done that, I never would have been forced to pray. Had you not done that, I never would have went to church that day. Had you not done that, I never would have started following Jesus. Had you not done that, he says, he says, he says, he says, he says, he says, Nebuchadnezzar is your protection. I realize some of you, the profundity of that statement is, is, is somewhat baffling. And so it's going to take you until about 4.30 tomorrow morning. And you'll wake up in the middle of your sleep and say, oh, that's what he was talking about. It's an aha moment. When you decide to make the best out of a bad situation, you end up becoming like the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 71, where he says, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your word. In essence, you'll be able to look back over the bad stuff that happened to you and say, thank you. You'll be able to look back at the car accident and say, thank you. You'll look back at the divorce and say, thank you. You'll look back at the moment you lost the business and say, thank you. You'll look back at the moment that that relationship crumbled and say, thank you. Because if it had not happened, I wouldn't have been protected. That's why you ought to be more thankful for your enemies than you are your friends. Because your friends often bring you comfort, but your enemies bring you change. That'll tweet. Last thing. Making the best out of a bad situation. What's the first thing I told you? Maximize where you're at and what you have. What's the second thing? It's all good. But it's all good, third thing, because God has a plan. It's all good because God has a plan. The verse we read, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. This is just after God tells them, I'm not letting you get out of there for 70 years. So verse 10 says, I'm not letting you get out of there for 70 years. And then he comes in 11 and says, for I know the thoughts and the plans that I think toward you. Isn't that something? Uh, they are peace and not of evil. Now you think, well, God, if you want to give me some peace, why are you put me in a bad situation? If you want to give me some peace, Lord, why I got to go through a bad situation? God says, because the bad situation, even though it's bad, it's all good. It's all good because I got a plan. Why? Because I know the thoughts. Which means God spends his time thinking about you. I know that's a bit hard to, to, to fathom, uh, uh, but if you can for a moment, just come with me on a journey. Come with me to a journey to the mind of God. I left this mind that was in Christ being you also. Come with me just on a journey just for a couple of seconds. Let's just go over here to just visit God's mind. What's in God's mind? God says, I'm thinking about you. God says, I was thinking about you when you got up. I was thinking about you when you wanted to fall asleep on your job, but that talkative co-worker kept, kept, kept you up. That was a Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, they were keeping you up. They were protecting you. God says, I was thinking about you when you got in the car. I was thinking about you when you were driving. I was thinking about you. I was thinking about you. And he says, I know the thoughts I have toward you. He says, I'm not thinking of how to get you. I'm thinking of how to help you. I'm not thinking of how to put you down. I'm thinking of how to build you up. I'm not thinking of how to take you out. I'm thinking of how to take you in. He says there of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. 
Then you will call upon me, verse 12, and go to me and pray, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me, and I will find you when you search for me with all your heart. The reason your bad situation is bad, a lot of Christians deny the badness of their situations. Can, can we just be honest that sometimes it's bad? There's nothing wrong with saying that's bad. If you go to a restaurant and the food's bad, you don't say, oh, well, just praise the Lord. <laughs> How was your meal? God is faithful. <laughs> that's nasty. <laughs> this was bad. Can we just be honest about it? Because some of y'all look like rowdy customers. Some of y'all look, I'm just joking. 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 You don't say, oh, I'm just trusting the Lord that by the next bite I take, it's going to be better. Oh, it's bad. But even though it's bad, it's all good. Because God has a plan. And here's the beauty of his plan. He doesn't tell you anything. I wish it was different. I wish I could tell you that God would sit up and have these long, drawn-out conversations. He doesn't do that. No, what he does is he'll do like Abraham. Hey, Abe, Abe, Abster, it's the Lord. This is my second time trying to talk to you. Genesis 12 was God's second time trying to get him. We find that out in Acts. He says, Abraham, get out of your father's house, away from your father's country, leave your kinfolk alone, get away from these generational curses, come up out of that stuff to a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, thus and so. That ain't God. Pretty much. What am I supposed to do? I just told you, go to a land where I'm going. Start walking. Who says that? God, just, just start walking. Well, how will I know that I've gotten to the land you're going to show me? Didn't I tell you I'm going to show you? So when you get there, I'll let you know to stop walking. That's what he does. But your bad situation... It's all good. Say it's all good. Say it like you mean it. It's all good. It's all good because the scripture tells us in Romans 8 and 28 that he causes all things to work together for the good of them that love him. Anybody love him in here? For the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. So I don't care what you're facing. Bishop, it's really bad. I don't care. I just told you it's all good. Bishop, oh, but I'm crying about it. Well, you can, you, ought to, you, you know what? I can save you some money on some tissues. Bishop, but I'm feeling depressed. You better come up out of your depression. You better come up. Open those blinds and open. You better come up out of that depression. Oh, but Bishop, I feel so bad. You better come up out of that. Why? Because God needs you to make the best out of your bad situation. Stand on your feet with me, everybody. Father, we want to make the best out of our bad situations. Give us the strength to make the most of where we are. Whatever that is for everybody in here tonight, everybody's got some situation going on. Give us the strength to make the best out of that. Make the best of where we're at. Rather than complaining about the neighborhood, go clean it up. Rather than complaining about your neighbors, go pray for them. Invite them to church. Maybe they're making all that noise, so you'll go over there and say something to them. Give us the strength to make the best out of bad situations. 
when somebody does us wrong rather than sitting there trying to figure out why they did it. What we're going to do is we're going to just maximize the moment. Well, I can learn something now. Like the song says, we can be stronger, we can be better, we can be wiser. Very quickly, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at, if you're in this place and you're hearing my voice and you'll say, I, I want to make the best of a bad situation, but the first situation I got to get right is my relationship with God. And if you need to become a Christian tonight, give your life over to Jesus. What does that mean? It just means you say, God, I surrender. Like I said earlier, I'm coming out with my hands up. I've tried it my way. My, is not, my way is not working. I'm doing it your way. That's what it is to become a Christian. Christ follower. It just means, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to get everything right. It just means you're saying, God, I know I can't do it on my own. But maybe you're, you're hearing my voice and maybe you've given your life to Jesus before, but you've not been walking with him. You've not been faithful to him and you need to get things right with him. You need to do what we call rededicate yourself to him. It's kind of like situations where you lose passion for something and then all of a sudden you have to get back into that thing that gave you passion. And you need to return to your passion for Jesus. Return to your first love, the scripture says. If that's you, I got good news for you. I got good news for you. God loves you. And while you may have given up on you, I'm here to tell you he's not given up on you. And if you need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself, I'm here to tell you, man, what greater place to be than in harvest. What greater place to be where you can get things right for Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, you don't have to turn to your neighbor. I'm not going to make you come down to the altar. I'm going to ask you to do one thing and one thing only, and that's throw your hand up the moment you hear the number three. Why? Because we're going to put something in your hand that's going to help you walk out your relationship with Jesus. I hear somebody saying, well, I'm not really sure. Well, be sure tonight. There's nothing wrong with being sure. Man, if you got to get saved 400 times, get saved 400 times so that you're sure. Because the good thing about Jesus is you can come to him as you are, but don't you dare plan on staying as you are. Because when you get connected to a place like Harvest, that word's going to start changing your life. And that word's going to start changing you and changing how you feel and see things. But the first thing we got to do is get things right with God. You need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself. On the count of three, throw that hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand up. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. We're celebrating you. I see you. Hallelujah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say this with me in this place. Everybody say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sins before you. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made lots of mistakes. But that preacher told me that the Bible says, if I'll confess my sin, you're faithful to forgive me. I confess with my mouth. And believe in my heart that God sent Jesus to die in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if I was far from you or if this is my first time praying this, I am a born-again Christian, a follower of Jesus. Yesterday's gone. Today's brand new. I'm going to make the best. Out of every bad situation, my greatest days are in front of me. My greatest victories are in front of me. In Jesus' name, would you celebrate God all in this place? Come on, we celebrate him. Thank you for every decision. 
Every day, my company gets scam phishing emails trying to get money or sensitive info. I wanted to protect my employees and my clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. First, teach employees to recognize and report phishing. Next, require strong passwords plus multi-factor authentication. And finally, turn on automatic updates for your business software. To learn more, go to CISA at cisa.gov forward slash secure our world.